Welcome to the Bible Unthumped. I'm David Kay. I'm not a scholar of the Bible, but I've spent my entire life reading and studying it, and I've found that many people don't really understand the Bible they're thumping. So on this podcast, we get into the story behind the stories that were collected into books that became the book we know today as the Bible. You can have faith and still ask questions. This is the Bible Unthumped. Welcome, listeners, to the fourth arc of episodes of the Bible Unthumped podcast. This is episode 4.1, and in this arc, we are looking at the subject of Gospels. Today, we will do an introduction to Gospels. What are they? Perhaps you've never wondered. And in subsequent episodes, we will talk about each of the four Gospels in the Bible. These will be intro-level conversations, not deep dives into the content of the books. But I am confident the average listener will learn a lot that you have likely never heard before, particularly if you come from a Biblicist, Bible-thumping background like myself. One thing you may not know is why we use the word gospel to describe the books Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, the four books that open the New Testament. Gospel is derived from the Old English words God, meaning good, and spell, meaning news. Smashed together and shortened, you get gospel an English word that simply means good news, or more charmingly, glad tidings. The word is used to translate euangelion from Greek. You may know that in Greek the prefix eu means good, as in euphoria, a really good feeling, or euphemism, a good substitute word, or euthanize, to give a good death. You may also pick out the familiar word angel in the middle of euangelion, an angel is a messenger, and angelion is the message, a good message, good news. In the ancient context of the word gospel, it originally referred to the tip, the financial reward a messenger would receive when he brought good news, and eventually it referred to the good news itself. If someone came running into town with a joyful proclamation, that messenger brought a gospel. So, if we refer, for example, to the Gospel of Mark, we are talking about the good news as offered by the author of Mark, who serves as the messenger. Implicit here is that the good news in the Bible is related to Jesus Christ and the central Christian message. Though at the time, a gospel could be an emperor's blessing on his subjects, the end of a plague, or a victory in battle. There is nothing inherently Christian about the word gospel. That said, it is a minor step that the word gospel came to refer to the literary genre of texts written about Jesus. These texts are called gospels. And here in the first bit of unthumping you need to know about the genre of ancient gospels is that there are not just four of them. Not remotely. It would be unfair to say that gospels were a dime a dozen in the ancient world, but it is true that a fair number of folks at least 20 to 30 during the first and second centuries alone, wrote or compiled Jesus books. At the end of this episode arc, we will talk more about some of the Gospels you've never read or learned about. But for now, just be aware that Gospels as a type of literature were written starting sometime fairly shortly after the crucifixion of Jesus, but also continuing for many centuries and even until the Middle Ages.
The gospel literary genre is typically subdivided into a few major types, four of which I want to mention here. First, some gospel texts are biographical, with Jesus' life and ministry serving as the subject matter. Second, some gospels are called infancy gospels, which are a sort of subgenre of the biographical gospel, but with a specific focus on unique stories surrounding the birth and childhood of Jesus, material left largely unmentioned in the Bible. Third is the sayings gospel, which is not biographical, but simply a collection of things Jesus purportedly said during his ministry. Sayings gospels did not care what Jesus did or even really who he was. His teachings and wisdom were the important things. And finally, there is the resurrection dialogue gospel, a unique type in which someone, an apostle perhaps, interrogates the risen Jesus about what exists after death or in some conception of heaven as he experienced it post-crucifixion. No examples of this sort of dialogue gospel are in the Bible. There are perhaps other classifications of gospels I am not mentioning here, but these four stand out. Of these four gospel types, the two most important for our purposes are the biographical gospel and the sayings gospel. Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, all four of them, are examples of the biographical gospel. That to say, of the various types of gospels that were written about Jesus in ancient times, only one type of gospel writing, the biographical, made it into the Bible. Sort of. As we will see in upcoming episodes, there is an example of a sayings gospel, sort of hidden in plain sight. The earliest written sayings gospels and biographical gospels would have appeared within a few decades of Jesus' crucifixion, probably based on stories and quotations related first among Jesus' nearest followers and then circulated more widely. Though there are many gospels, only four of them became biblical. Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, of course. And because they made it into the canon of Scripture, we call these four the canonical Gospels. All other Gospels are non-canonical. They didn't make it into the Bible. And because they didn't make it into the Bible, they didn't get circulated widely, they didn't get copied, and they didn't get handed down. So many of them are now lost. But not all of them. We do still have and can read and study some non-canonical Gospels. Again, more about those at the end of this episode arc. Just to add one more layer of categorization to the Gospels, we need to mention the synoptics. Three of the four canonical Gospels overlap a great deal, offering variations on a theme and sharing much of their content in common. These three are Matthew, Mark, and Luke. Collectively, these three are the synoptic Gospels. Because of how they overlap with each other, the synoptics can be seen together, which is what the Greek word synoptic means. The other gospel, the non-synoptic one, is John, a real outlier. John has very unique themes, content, and agendas when compared to the synoptics. We will learn more about the content of each canonical gospel and how they are alike and how they are different from each other in the upcoming episodes. Let's go ahead, though, now and talk about some very basic things the four canonical Gospels have in common. In addition to being all biographical types, all four are written in the Greek language, specifically in a type of Greek called Koine, which is distinct from and historically downstream from the older classical Greek of Homer, Sophocles, and Plato. 
After the conquests of Alexander the Great in the 4th century BC, much of the Eastern Mediterranean adopted the Greek language in a form that was intelligible over a vast geography, connecting many different groups of people, and the lingua franca they all used, especially for trade and administration, was Koine Greek. The New Testament writers all wrote in Koine. A reminder here, though, that the local populations of Palestine in Jesus' day generally spoke Aramaic amongst themselves, not Greek. Thus, assuming you speak English, there are, off the bat, two layers of translation between you and the original sayings and stories of Jesus, from Aramaic to Koine Greek, and then from Greek to English. And certain ideas and concepts, especially in Western Christianity, get filtered through Latin along the way, too. Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John are all most likely texts dating to the late 1st century. Jesus was crucified in about the year A.D. 30, and the canonical Gospels were written between the late 60s, maybe 70 A.D., and the end of the century. It is worth remarking that the canonical Gospels, therefore, are written roughly two to three generations after the events they describe. My point in mentioning the time that has gone by, as well as the layers of translation, is to caution the Bible reader, as always, to handle with care the Gospels of Jesus no less than other books of the Bible. Things do get lost in cultural, historical, and linguistic translation. Major question. Who wrote these four Gospels? For the sake of time, I have decided to punt the full answer to some future episode. The story of the authorship of the Gospels is quite interesting, but also lengthy. The short answer, though, is that about a hundred years after they were written, they got their names, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. When the late 2nd century church determined to associate them with figures from the generation of the apostles in order to legitimate them, with many Christian texts floating around, including dozens of Gospels and, frankly, a wide variety even of Christianities, competing for adherence, there was pressure to claim that the texts you most approved of were the best texts, and the ones that most accurately represented the message of Jesus' closest and earliest followers. Perhaps needless to say, then, everyone who thought of himself as a Christian was eager to claim that an apostle had authored his own favorite books and letters. Matthew and John were apostles themselves, participants in Jesus' ministry during his lifetime. Mark was said to be an interpreter for the Apostle Peter, and Luke was said to be a close associate of the Apostle Paul. However, and this is super important, all four books were written anonymously, and the correct answer regarding who wrote them is that we do not know. If anyone tells you with confidence that the Gospels were actually written by Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, you can be sure they have misplaced their confidence. In particular, the chances that John wrote John or that Matthew wrote Matthew are pretty close to zero. These attributions of authorship are based on over 1800 years of tradition, but on remarkably little evidence. I hope that doesn't bum you out too much. Right. So there were many ancient Christian Gospels written of various types, not merely these four. So another major question then. Why don't we have five or even ten or more Gospels in the Bible? Well, by the end of the second century already, these four were circulating as a group. They had received their names based on presumed associations with the Apostles, 
and they were increasingly confirmed by important and vocal church leaders to be the only acceptable accounts in the competition among the range of texts and varied Jesus-related religious ideas that characterized very early Christianity. A famous heresy hunter named Irenaeus played an especially important role in limiting the number of sanctioned Gospels to four. Irenaeus was a bishop in France, and in about the year 180, he reasoned, see if you can follow this, that because there were four corners of the world, four winds, and four beasts in the Old Testament book of Ezekiel, well, then there must be four and only four Gospels. You can be forgiven for not following Irenaeus's logic, but it won the day. And by the time the Bible came together more or less as we know it, in the 4th century, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, unlike a fair number of other books, were not the subject of much debate. They were the acceptable four. So we generally read the Gospels as mashed up together. We conflate their content and lose sight of what each individual Gospel is all about. Each one has a different take on Jesus, and each of those four takes deserves to be studied individually. These accounts were not written or intended to be the amalgamated content that exists in many of our heads after years of not very careful study. The authors of Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John had no idea that their texts would someday be compiled alongside each other. The author of Matthew thought he wrote something useful and sufficient to stand alone for his audience by itself. So did the other authors. But then one day, after these authors had been dead for a few generations, these multiple Gospels were placed alongside each other, and their distinct messages became stacked, pressed, and muddled together. The outcome is something none of these four authors imagined. They knew they were writing Gospels. They didn't know they were writing Bible books. In the next four episodes, we will be unthumping the Gospels, pulling them back apart at least a little bit, in the order in which they were written, starting with not Matthew, but Mark. Mark is the oldest gospel, so tune in next time to learn a little bit about that fascinating book. Less thumping, more understanding. See you next time.